You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Age of Radio. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Because it's sports talk with Cooper and Big Man. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, is that time once again. Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. This is Big Man and my brother Cooper joining me as always. Cooper, how you doing, brother? Dude, I'm doing good. How you doing, man? I'm doing good because you know what day it is. Today is football talk, baby. Yes, sir. One oh, of our favorite and a days. And NASCAR too, so we get that, we get that shake and bake. We get that pigskin. Mm-hmm. What's up? And of course, we're actually going to throw in a little indie series for you too. Yeah, there you go. All right, so we're going to go ahead and kick this off with the Martinsville race from NASCAR. Oh yeah. So for the first time this season, NASCAR had a winner that won previously this season. Martin Turex Jr. won at Martinsville, who battled teammate Denny Hamlin until 15 laps remaining when he would get that final pass and take a comfortable lead. Hamlin would end up being caught and passed by Chase Elliott Elliott, before taking the checkered flag in third place. The race was the second of the day as both it and the Xfinity race from Friday night had been delayed due to rain. The cup race had gotten gotten in 42 laps on Saturday night before being postponed to Sunday. Another driver that had a disappointing finish, Ryan Blaney, who uh, won the first two stages of the race, but a mishap on his last pit stop cost him, putting him back to 19th, but he managed to finish 11th in the race. So, Cooper, your thoughts from Martin Jurex for the first repeat winner this year. Finally. Right? Finally it happens. I mean, weren't we talking, like, dude, all these playoff spots are going to be taken like that. Right. So, finally, we got a double winner somewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a quite an interesting race. Um, of course, like I said, Saturday got rained out. Even the Xfinity race got out. So a double header for the fans at Martinsville. It must have been a, a long but enjoyful day up in Martinsville. Um, but yeah, for Ryan Blaney, dude, that, that, that really sucks, man. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's, that's sometimes how it goes. That You know, sometimes you pit stop, your pit crew. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can screw you over. So. Yeah, unfortunately, an air gun was attached to his tire as he pulled out away from his pit box. Oh, man, no. Yeah, so unfortunately, the uh, the tire guy that's doing the lug nuts just went up. And I'm sure he was pissed, dude. You just you just took off with the air gun. Now don't even have be, it. It <laughs> gotta be lucky there was probably no headphone in his freaking helmet because he was probably mother <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, it sucks. That's just sometimes how it goes, though. Yes, yeah, sir. Overall, though, the race was a good one for Joe Gibbs Racing, who had a driver at Victory Lane, Truex Jr., Hamlish, Hamlin finishing third, Christopher Bell finishing 7th, and Kyle Busch finished 10th to give Gibbs Racing all four drivers in the top 10. That's pretty good, dude. Yes, sir. Team owner Joe Gibbs was quoted as saying, I was just praying that Denny and Martin didn't get together running up front, meaning he didn't want them to end up accidentally crashing because of the way they were really kind of racing each other up front. Yeah. This ended up being another disappointing finish for Hamlin, though, as he once again had a really good car but was unable to get the checkered flag first of Cooper. Your thoughts on Joe Gibbs racing first and then Danny Hamlin, uh, another disappointing finish when he should have won. Yeah, man. I mean, that's sometimes how it goes. But, uh, you know, Gibbs, that's that's pretty cool, man. How many drivers in the top ten? All four of his drivers. All four of his drivers. Oh, man, that's that's pretty damn good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good, good for Gibbs racing, that's for sure. Definitely. That's a great way to um, get your... Um, <clears throat> it looks like it's going to be a pretty good chance that all four Gibbs racers will be in the playoff, um, depending on how the rest of the season shakes out for him. That's good money right there, man. Yes, sir. So Gibbs is uh, looking really good. Uh, former football coach, of course, if you're not um, unknown. Former Washington football team coach, uh, Redskins, if you aren't <laughs> a pansy. <laughs> Just saying. So, uh, yeah. Careful now. I'm just Careful saying. So, But now. it's nice to see Joe Gibbs is uh, excelling in another sport um, that is NASCAR. All right, this coming weekend is the Indy Series, and it's going to kick off and as they prepare for the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. This does take place at the Barber Motorsports Park. This will be the first of five races prior to the most well-known IndyCar race series in the U.S., known as the Indianapolis 500. This year's Indy 500 will commence on May 30th. So, Cooper, your thoughts on the Indy cars getting ready to take some left and right turns because, you know, they like to do road courses yeah, more like, often. That's what I like about them, dude. It's a little bit more interesting with the Indy racing, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 I like how they, you know, twist and turn. And I mean, with them, it's, it's, it's not just about pitting. It's not about... You know, you're, it, it's 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 so much more intricate when it comes to a course that that you go like all over the place with than it is to a course where you're pretty much doing circles. Right. So yeah, yeah, and the Indy races are uh, very intriguing and always fun to watch, especially when they when they do them in like different like sceneries and different like mountains and things like that, just crazy mm-hmm. off the course. Things you wouldn't even think of, they do it, which is yeah. pretty cool. The only thing that really kind of always bothered me about the Indy cars is that they don't—they look like the least safe of the vehicles that you yeah, drive in, man, uh, that you race in, because you're—you have nothing <laughs> above you. Yeah, I never thought—I <laughs> never thought to myself, I want to do it. I want to get an Indy car. No way. No. Dude. They go entirely too fast, and they are too small. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'd be lucky if I ever get into a freaking stock car, but <laughs> yeah, an Indy car. Good luck. That's uh, uh, not <laughs> happening for me, but uh, so yeah. But I am looking forward to uh, this kicking off for them, and uh, of course, I always look forward to the Indy Five Hundred to see which drivers in NASCAR try to pull off that race and the Coca Cola Six Hundred. Usually, that commences that weekend in NASCAR, so it's going to be interesting to That's see what happens. Very interesting, man. It's going to be cool. Yes, sir. All right, so we're ready to head to the gridiron. Let's do it. All right. Former Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner has finally found a new home this offseason as he has signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Conner's career started off really well as the running as a running back uh, gave the team confidence to allow Le'Veon Bell to leave in free agency a few years back. However, Conner struggled since the departure of Bell and the Steelers let him go in free agency. Conner is just 25, so there's still a chance for him to get his career back on track. And if for anybody who may not remember... Uh, Connor is um, had been diagnosed with lymphoma in, uh, while he was at Pittsburgh University and beat and won his battle with lymphoma. So, Cooper, your thoughts on your former running back getting another chance in Arizona? Hey, man, my hat's off to him, dude. The dude has been through a lot in life. Um, James Connor is is one of them guys that will go out there and he will put it all out there on the gridiron. Mm-hmm. He makes no excuses. He is who he is. And he's proud of who he is. And, and I think as a Pittsburgh fan, I would say I'm proud that he was on our team, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming from, you know, from Pittsburgh University to the Steelers and going through everything that he'd gone through and then actually took the starting job, that that's pretty cool, dude. I know that he's kind of fallen off over the past couple of years. But maybe a new team, new scenery will revamp his career. Maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll uh, come out of it. So right. we'll see what happens. We definitely will. And if, um, it was a great story of Connor um, in that draft class. Uh, you know, we're, we're all interested to see how he was, where he was going to go. And um, Pittsburgh taking a chance on him like the Steelers did was really great. He uh, was a really good um, change of pace back for the Steelers when Bell was there. Um <clears throat> and then that year when uh, Bell um, decided to just not bother showing up for the whole season, he um, held out his services when he was uh, franchise tagged, and then uh, they couldn't come to an agreement. And Connor played really good that year. Then after that, unfortunately, the following, the following season, his play declined, unfortunately, for him. And uh, that is why Pittsburgh ended up letting him go each um, after the f- subsequent years of just not living up to what they were hoping yeah. he was going to be. Yeah, and I mean that that does suck, but you know, mm-hmm. at the same time, maybe a new, like I said, new team, new place, and heck, maybe now the Steelers can look towards a new running back. Yeah, maybe we can get back to old school football like the Steelers are about, and that run game is what they are about. Yeah, uh, great running back. If you guys can get him, if he's available to you, will be Najee Harris. Oh yes, bad. I would love to have Najee Harris. All right, um, so here we go. Thaddeus Moss was picked up off waivers from Washington by the Cincinnati Bengals. Moss is the son of Hall of Famer Randy Moss, reunites with his college quarterback, Joe Burrow. Both Burrow and Moss led LSU to the 2020 National Championship in an undefeated season. In 12 games that year, Moss had 47 catches, 570 yards, and four touchdowns. Moss, however, would go undrafted in the 2020 NFL Draft. The Bengals could potentially reunite Burrow with his best receiver from the champion, that championship season, Jamar Chase, as the fifth overall pick, and Kyle Pitts, could be gone at, and tight end Kyle Pitts could be gone at the fourth pick just before them, which is why I said Chase could be that option for the Bengals if they don't go lineman on that pick. So 
Cooper, your thoughts on Joe Burrow and Thaddeus Moss reuniting. It's not good for the Steelers. <laughs> I don't like it. No, for real, uh, this, this is good for them, dude, mm-hmm. uh, because Joe Burrow and him know each other so well, and that's that's what you need is chemistry. And uh, so maybe, you know, he becomes a number two, maybe a slot receiver, something, because we all know he's gonna, he's big like his daddy. So, I mean, yeah. we'll see what happens. Um, I, I hope he becomes like his dad and becomes a superstar. I think that would be really awesome. And not only that, but the kid probably has a chip on his shoulder. So Yeah, especially sending la- spending most of last year on the injured reserve with uh, Washington. Yeah, so... All right, sir. Um, yeah, I think, though, uh, God, the Bengals got Jamar Chase, though. Oh, oh my dude. God. I, oh. Of course, then, here's going to be the dilemma. If you're the Bengals and you're sitting there and you decide you'd rather go with an offensive skill player and Pitts is still there staring you in the face. Oh, dude. Who do right? you pick? Right. Because you know Burrow is going to be ha- hammering And Pitts is like from Chase. the next beast, dude. He's going to be like the next Shannon Sharp, Tony <laughs> Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's he's the next Gronk. I'm telling you, this kid has got it all. He's gonna be a Hall of Famer by the time his career is over, as long as he does not get hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with Pitts. I really hope the Bengals don't get him. Right. So, we'll definitely be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Of course, if you don't know, April 29th is the draft, first night of the draft. Oh, yes. Can't wait, dude. Looking forward to it. It's always a good time of the year, right? Yes, sir. All right. New England wide receiver Julian Edelman retired at the age of 34 today. Edelman struggled to stay healthy last season and had his contract by the team terminated when he failed his physical. Then he would, um, in turn, retire. Edelman had his best years as a security blanket for Tom Brady while Brady was in New England. Edelman was also a great, also had great playoff numbers. That may alone put the wide receiver in the Hall of Fame and also a highlight catch in the Super Bowl 51 against the Atlanta Falcons. Former teammate and current tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Rob Gronkowski, tweeted, there's a 69% chance that Edelman ends up in Tampa playing with him and a quarter, quarterback Tom Brady. Cooper, first the retirement and then the speculation by Gronk. Uh, that's just Gronky <clears throat> being Gronky, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um... Really, honestly, you can tweet whatever you want. All right. But it's between that player and and uh, you know the the coaching staff, their their agent, and yeah, I know they know Edelman. Edelman's their guy, so oh yeah, there, there's a chance there. But I think Gronky's just like let let me put that little itch in his ear, like hey man, you should come play with us. Come on, yeah. Because I think Edelman's great, dude, and. Uh, I think that uh, maybe he lost some of his fire after, you know, Brady left and Gronk was gone, and that, that whole dynamic of the Patriots totally changed. And then so, spending most of the last year injured too. Yeah, and that doesn't help at all. So, no. um, I actually could see him ending up in Tampa Bay. Uh, I know, you know, I just find the percentage a little odd. I don't think that was just a tongue-in-cheek kind of move by Rob Gronkowski. Yeah. 69% wink, wink. Yeah. I'm like, dude, come on now. <laughs> you could have picked 68. You could have picked 70. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to go with 69. Sounds better. Okay, Gronk. But anyways. <laughs> but it's, okay, so if you're if you're Edelman, picture this. You can take all off-season pretty much off and just recuperate, right? 
Then, in the season, you already know Tom Brady, so your rapport should not be that far off with him at all, if any, at all. They already got Evans, Godwin, uh, Miller, the little speedy guy that yeah. um, we all know that, um, what's his name, um, Skip Bayless loves, little Scotty Miller. Uh, they got O.J. Howard coming back. They got Cameron Braid at tight end. They got Rob Gronkowski at tight end. And some pretty decent running backs. Edelman's not going to be required to play a whole hell of a lot and put his body so much on the line. So, for the veteran minimum to possibly win one more Super Bowl with the with the guys that you played most of your career with already anyways? Yeah. And you don't have to be required to do a whole hell of a lot? Just maybe catch a couple first downs here and there? Oh, yeah. But and you, a touchdown? And you're getting paid, dude. So, yeah. yeah. I don't see I, honestly unless he just doesn't unless he just doesn't feel his body can totally just go for it. I don't see why not. Honestly, Edelman, I hope you hear this, man. It would be cool to see because I I've always had respect for Edelman. Like mm-hmm. I've I like Gronk. I've always had respect for him, dude. And uh, it's just so, your quarterback we don't like. Yeah, it's just Brady and. I think it's more of the Brady Belichick dynamic. maybe dynamic that I don't care for or right. didn't care for. Because now that he's not with the Patriots, he doesn't irritate me quite as bad, but it's still like, come on. Everybody's a damn Buccaneers fan now. Like where right. were y'all at last year? Yeah, right. You know, I remember I remember back in the day when, when uh, you know, the Bucks had Mike Allstott. You right. know? I remember that. That was cool shit. Mike Allstott work done. Yeah. Yeah. Warren Sapp on defense. Warren Sapp. Derek yeah. Brooks. That that was a team, dude. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but you know, uh, all of a sudden now they come out of the woodworks and they're like, Oh, we're fans. It's like bullshit if you are. Right. Pan wagon peoples. <laughs> right. Fair weather fans. So, yeah. So here's hoping, Edelman, if your body, if you think your body can handle it, and like we said, I don't I'd, see I'd, why I'd you love would. to see him there. Yeah, why not? I mean, come on. Like we said, you're not going to be required to do a whole hell of a lot. Not saying that you wouldn't try to do a whole hell of a lot. We're just saying you wouldn't be required to do right. a whole hell of a lot, and uh, you would probably ride their coat, ride their way, ride their coattails to a championship, possibly. Which would suck for me, but, you know, I'm just saying because I hate Tom Brady. Anyways. All right. So the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks have stated they will not be attending voluntary spring workouts at their respective team facilities starting next week. Also, I did receive word, not personally, but I saw, and I'm sure others have, if you follow Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, the NFL insiders on the NFL Network and ESPN, respectively, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have also made the same um, announcement because the players are concerned over an increased rate of positive COVID tests in their respective areas and a lack of protocols from the NFL and the organizations gives them growing concerns about attending. Everyone is still waiting on the NFL and NFLPA to put together a list of protocols for all teams to abide by in regard to off-season workouts and training. So, Cooper, your thoughts on now three teams. It was two, but now three teams. Vol- skipping out on volunteer it is voluntary it's not a requirement so it's not really they're breaking any yeah. rules it is voluntary so what are your thoughts on the players concerns over their health and safety and the lack of protocols by the league I'm um, I think that it is you know 
to each his own with their decisions on how they feel about the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're not comfortable, they're not comfortable, man. You can't really force them to do it. Um, and that's that's really how it is all together with, with COVID. You're either for the vaccine mm-hmm. or you're not. Right. And, you know, I mean, and if you're for the vaccine, cool. I'm cool with you. It doesn't bother me. But me personally, I'm kind of like, uh, I've already got enough problems going on. And you hear about these, and and I've seen it on Facebook. This, this, there was this meme going around. Uh, uh, and 20 years from now, you'll see, like, that commercial that comes on goes, oh, were you affected by such and such? Right. Call this number. And I'm like, and they, they, they put COVID-19 uh, vaccine. And I'm like. Lord, I was like thinking, I've already got cerebral palsy. I don't need nothing else. Right. So, I mean, um, whatever else happens in life, that's that's one thing. But to put something in your body, you truly don't know what it is. You know, I believe in taking precautions. Yeah. Every time I go out, I put a mask on. Whether anyone else around me is putting a mask on, mm-hmm. that's their choice. Right. But I'm not mad at them if they don't wear one. That's their choice. Mm-hmm. But me personally, because I have cerebral palsy, I don't. You're just gonna go ahead and take I'm the precautions. I'm gonna go ahead and take the precautions because I don't want to get sick. Yeah. You see what is what it's done to, you know, normal people in their thirties. You know what I mean? And yep. healthy people. So I just like, I've already got problems. I don't need any more. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way it is with, with everything with this with this you know, pandemic. As mm-hmm. everybody needs to respect everybody's views, and if they don't feel comfortable with it, then, you know, do what you got to do. And I think honestly, I think the difference between like, Seattle and up in that area, they're a little bit more scared of it. Yeah. Down here in Florida, we're a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. But so yeah, for me I think it's kinda odd that, you know, the Buccaneers are kinda like, Yeah but maybe they just like, I don't feel like working out, so we're just gotta do this. Alright. You know, they're a little bit more laid back, so we'll you know right. it is what it is. And we're and we're in a we're in a time now where voluntary workouts and training if you can if you can't stay in football sh- or relatively good shape you can't really get into football shape without playing football. But if you can't stay within relatively good shape without needing to go to a team facility to work out, yeah, then you're not a good professional athlete anymore. Oh, definitely. Because you know, you know these guys have, they have in-home gyms. Yep. They have trainers they can call on a dime. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. You have 52 other workout buddies who will be I more think- than willing to work out with you. I think more what it is is just like that camaraderie in the uh, yeah you know the locker room of having everyone there working out together is yeah but for now it's like do what you got to do and right. you know and it is what it is so it was just where I was going with that it was just like so it's, uh, to me the voluntary workouts like you said camaraderie yes but uh, other than that that's yeah. all that basically yeah. really truly is now. Because an athlete now does a great job year-round to make sure they're in really good shape. Some will admit, 
I take a month off after the season ends. It's just me and doing what I want to do. I don't go super crazy and gain 15 pounds in that month. Yeah. But I'm me, relaxed, and letting my body rest before Last I thing. kick back yeah. into I'm ready to start preparing for the next season. Oh, yeah, because these guys, I mean, look at guys like Aaron Donald, dude. Mm-hmm. That dude is so stout. You cannot tell me that man doesn't work out every day, probably twice a day. Right. I mean, and, they, I'm, and I'm sure those guys that take a month off, quote unquote, yeah. are probably still doing car, cardio and light lifting. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying they're like, you know, I'm not going to exercise, period. They're probably doing some cardio work to keep their heart rate and all that good. And going so, and yeah, their fatigue I mean, up. You're right. The voluntary workouts. That's that's more for the younger guys, I think. Yeah. And really, honestly, the, the rookies and people that have been in the league maybe a couple years type thing. Yeah. All right. So but veterans really they don't care about it. So. <laughs> they don't. We're like we're we're freaking millionaires. What do we care? All right, man. So uh, final thing we're going to talk about. We're going to start. I'm going to start thinking we should do some evaluations on some of these mock drafts before we do our last one before the draft. Let's do it, brother. So we're going to start with Colin's um, recent one he did on Monday. And this was if Colin was the GM. Colin Coward. Uh, sorry, I keep calling him Colin. Colin yeah. Coward of Fox Sports. If you didn't know, um, he did his top 10 mock draft if he was the GM. Not what the team needs or he feels that they should take based off needs. Based off what he would think he would do if he was general manager of that team. Now, of course, there's the needs will play a little bit of factor into that as well. But anyway, so are you ready to dig into this? Let's do it, bro. All right. So first up, if he was the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he said this was his easiest pick of all ten picks. Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville. Duh. duh. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just the duh. That's just like default, dude. Right Everybody there. was sucking for Lawrence. <laughs> that was wanting a quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. Trevor Lawrence was by far the most talented quarterback coming out in this year's draft. Now, some guys, of course, played their way into a top tier, top level, where you would be like, okay, well, if Trevor wasn't in this draft... I could see taking these guys, but Trevor's there, so, you know, y'all can just piss off. (laughs) All right, number two. At the Jets, he has them taking not Zach Wilson, but Justin Fields. You and I have talked about this. We think Justin Fields is actually the better quarterback. And if I were going to go ahead and give quarterback reins to a young rookie not named Trevor Lawrence, he's the only other quarterback in this draft I would be willing to start day one. I mean, no doubt, dude. He's stout, and uh, he's the only one that can really compare it to Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Wilson has anything on him. No. All right. So number three, the San Francisco 49ers. He has them taking quarterback Trey Lance from North Dakota State. I like this pick more than, of course, I do like Mac Jones. I'm in the same boat as Colin Coward in this aspect. Mac Jones never trailed in a game. Or if he did, it was very limited because the other team had the ball first and they scored on their defense. And that was it. He rarely trailed ever. And he never trailed, it seemed, in the fourth quarter. So he doesn't know um, adversity. He's never felt that. 
The closest we came was the SEC championship game when Florida was throwing haymakers against that Alabama defense and keeping up with them. Other than that, though, Man, that Florida was, never that led that game. Such a good game, too. That was dude. such a great game. It was amazing. I don't know how the people who were hanging so out with us fell asleep is beyond me. But. Yeah, me either. But uh, yeah. So they he doesn't have them taking Mac Jones in that aspect. Number four, he claims that Atlanta's asking price for the fourth overall pick is too much for teams to want to move up. So they will stay at four and take tight end Kyle Pitts. Did you imagine Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and freaking Kyle Pitts for Matt Ryan to throw to? Holy oh, crap. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah, that would be crazy, man. Uh, I think that would be a great, great place for Pitts to go for sure. Yes, sir. All right. At number five, he has them. He said it would be very tempting for the Bengals to take Jamar Chase at number five, but he believes that the team should focus on protecting Joe Burrow, especially after the catastrophic knee injury we just saw this past season. And he has them taking offensive tackle Rashawn Slater. The only reason why he does that instead of Panay Sewell, they already have Jonah Williams at left tackle, and they got uh, Riley Reef, who can play right tackle, and you can move Rashawn Slater inside at guard, where you cannot do that with Panay Sewell. That's, <laughs> that's, uh... That's pretty uh, methodical right there. Mm-hmm. Really thinking about that. I like that, yeah. Um, and plus, you know, think about it like this. You know, that's what you need to do. You need to protect him. Because mm-hmm. if you don't protect him, he ain't going to be able to do anything. And we're just going to see him get hurt again. Right. But if I'm but if I'm Cincinnati and I could get Jamar Chase back with freaking Joe Burrow, yeah, that's that, really tempting. Yeah, that's really is. hard. Because Jamar Chase looks like he's going to be a really good wide receiver. All right. At number six, he has the Dolphins and Broncos swapping picks. So Broncos move up from ninth to six and get quarterback Zach Wilson at six. Denver obviously needs a quarterback. They no longer believe in Drew Locke. So the only thing I may have thought about is I still kind of think if Atlanta doesn't want to take one of these first round quarterbacks and they're and they know their cap is going to be hard to get a quarterback why not try to trade back with Denver still be in the top 10 get a good player at nine and get Drew Locke to sit behind Matt Ryan that's my only thought on that yeah but still that would be a good pickup for Denver if they don't end up trading and getting rid of Drew Locke you can sit there and go another year with Drew Locke let Zach Wilson sit for a year um Colin Coward's thought was, even if you have Zach Wilson, Vic Fangio probably will not be with the Broncos next season, so you'll get a new quarter, uh, new head coach, hopefully one who's offensive-minded and can um, help Zach Wilson develop uh, starting the year after. At number seven, he has the, uh, the Lions taking wide receiver Jamar Chase to help out poor Jared Goff, who needs some help in Detroit. Yeah, man, definitely. I, I can... I can see this, and, you know, I mean, the Lions, man, the Lions. Right? That's how I feel about it, too, honestly. Um, I can see the Lions doing that because they do need receiver help. They let both Kenny Galladay and also Marvin Jones go this offseason. They never tried to even really resign either one of them back. So they need weapons for golf. Uh, The only other problem I may see with this is they still need offensive line help, and Panay Sewell sitting there would be hard to also give up. 
Oh, definitely, man. All right. So at number eight, he does have Penesul going to Carolina to help protect new acquisition Sam Darnold. That, that's a good pick too. I, I could see that happening. Yeah, the um, he's already got a pretty decent wide receiver core. Um, Devontae Smith there though would also be tempting, but you got to also protect your asset in Sam Darnold. I know they didn't give up a whole heck of a lot. They gave up the six round pick this year. A two and a four next year. Yeah, so let's not forget they got Christian McCaffrey. Dude. And they still got Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. So they do got a pretty good running. They got a great running back. Some pretty decent receivers. So the offensive line protection really does make a lot of sense. At number nine, again, I would be really tempted since he's still there. Devontae Smith being right there and getting him back with um, Tua Tagovailoa. But the Dolphins, he has them picking offensive guard Elijah Vera Tucker to help protect Tua. Yeah, I mean, I I can see protection. Mm -hmm. I get where he's coming from with it, but I think, honestly, if you had a wide receiver that knows him, they they know how to play together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when when you get a quarterback and a receiver that they click – Yep. It doesn't matter who's coming at you. If you fire that rocket out there, he's going to catch that motherfucker. Yes, sir. And my other thing is, I would love to see him with a offensive weaponry lineup of Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki at tight end, and Devontae Smith. Yeah. That's that's, that's a, a that's pretty good trio. That's a pretty good trio right there. Who are you going to double? Right. <laughs> you can't double Parker. You can't double Smith. And you can't double Kaseki, right. or you're gonna get burned. <laughs> Especially if you don't double Parker. And if you double one, I of mean them, Smith. You double one of them, you leave somebody else open. So mm-hmm. there you go. And you definitely would have to want to roll coverage of Smith because if Smith gets beyond the line of scrimmage with untouched and runs a go route, good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that dude is fast. All right, and finally. In his top ten, he has the Dallas Cowboys taking, not surprisingly, cornerback Patrick Sertain, the second. This was not really surprising um, pick here. Dallas needs help in the secondary. Um, I could also see them picking either um, Caleb Staley, uh, I mean, start, not Staley, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, or even the one who's rising up the boards like a skyrocket right now, J.C. Horn, son of Joe Horn from South Carolina. Yeah, man, that's that's pretty pretty cool, man. Yeah, so I mean, because the the Broncos, I mean, not Broncos, the Cowboys really need freaking defensive help. Oh yeah, we don't. I know we don't care about the Cowboys here that much, but we still got to be a little bit unbiased, a little. <laughs> and so, in our thoughts, that would be a really good pickup for Cowboys and Cowboy Nation uh, to get a really good um, corner. Like we said, having your choice of the top three corners at at 10 is really good though there's been rumblings that Dallas is well not really Dallas itself but Jerry Jones is really enamored with Kyle Pitts may try to pull the trigger and trade up to get him so it's going to be interesting to see what happens come draft Pitts as a cowboy no Mari Cooper Michael Gallup C.D. Lamb and Kyle Pitts Dak, if you can't win shootouts with that, I don't know. I feel sorry for you. Oh, yeah. The only other thing I could see really that would be helpful for Dallas, but it's kind of hard when you have the top three offensive linemen gone before you. They really need to start potentially looking at replacing some of their offensive line that are now older. Um, 
Tyrone Smith has kind of had a lot of injury problems and he hasn't really been healthy a whole lot. That's a problem, which kind of led to Dak getting injured last year. So I'm just saying. Um, Lyle Collins was hurt. He's still relatively young, so it's not. It shouldn't be too much of a problem, but it can be. And you know, can be just, if he can stay healthy. That's yeah. for sure. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear them also taking a look at an offensive lineman. But basically, if the first three are gone, I don't. I would see them taking a corner. And uh, like I said, Sertan is a really good. I just have a hard time with Sertan after watching the SEC title game. And how badly he kept getting burnt by every gator that he guarded. Right. So it was really hard to watch. So I'm just like, dude, you played against the gators and you looked like crap. <laughs> you really couldn't stop anything. So that does it for that. And you got anything else to add, bro? No, nah, man. I'm good to go. So, yeah, we're going to try to evaluate a couple more. Um, we'll probably take a look at Todd McShay's and Mel Kuyper's. Um, next mock round, next mock round, next mock drafts, and also probably Daniel Jeremiah's from NFL Network. Sounds good, man. Yeah, we'll probably do Todd and uh, um, Mel Kiper next week, and then Jeremiah the next week, and probably that actually will probably put us into our mock draft actually too. Yeah, because we're in really close to the draft. Yeah, so actually that would put us right there at ours. So we'll do the Kipers. Yeah, we'll talk about Kuypers and McShay's next week, and then we'll talk about Jeremiah's before we reveal ours that same day on the 27th, the day, the two days before the draft. Sounds good. So hopefully if any more trades happen before draft day itself, they happen before the 27th, so that way we're not scrambling to do another one or at least putting one out somewhere. Yeah. So, all right. That. I think that's it. So that's it, brother. I'm so good to go, man. Me too. So be sure to tune in for uh, Worldwide Sports Talk. We get to talk about the Masters. It was a freaking hell of a good event. We had a first-time winner, not only for himself at the Masters, but also for his country. So nice. It's going to be real um, fun to talk about. And uh, of course, we got uh, you know, we got boxing, MMA stuff we can talk about, um, soccer, of course. NHL um, trade deadline, I believe, is coming up too. So we'll talk about that. See what's going on in hockey. Sounds good, man. Yes, sir. And of course, Saturday, tune in for Wrestling Talk. It is back and we recap WrestleMania. Oh, man. WrestleMania. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And uh, Cooper promises a tirade on Wrestling Talk. Yes. Very <laughs> much so. <laughs> All right, sir. So that does it for us here at Sports Talk. And as always, keep, keep on, on talking, talking sports. sports.